are the gentlemen advancing the melanin evolution. Welcome to another edition of the Game Recognized Game Podcast with RLJ and Kev. I'm KEV, that's RLJ, and we are the gentlemen advancing the melanin evolution, where evolution is revolution. What's up, man? How you doing, man? Got the Hillman, Hillman College shirt on, man? Because it is Man, I need to find me a Whitley, man. I need somebody <laughs> with some Gilbert. money. Yeah, oh, absolutely. She could talk my ear off. I don't care. <laughs> nah, nah. Kevin, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, call me. I can't. I, I couldn't do a Whitley. You, you couldn't do a Whitley. She couldn't be one hundred percent Whitley. Like she would have to. She would have to bring it down. Uh, that ain't no fun. I couldn't. Ain't no fun, the, man. The talking all the time and stuff. Denise, Denise, but Denise was kind of. She was too much. Yeah, she was flighty. She she had a lot going on. Denise wasn't that smart. She, no, no, yeah. she was a Cosby. Yeah, I need a Kim though. What was Kim? Kim? Kim, Kim was, was the doctor, right? Yeah, Kim. Kim was high strung though. She was, was she? Maybe she was stressed because she was just trying to get into to med school. Med school. But man, yeah. boy, she had a pretty smile. She man. did. That she did. Gone. And she could sing. Mocha chocolate skin. Lord have mercy. And she could sing. She could. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, she was a singer. Freddie seemed like she would be fun though. Freddie, the the first Freddie or the second Freddie. Like, I thought it was only one Freddy. So it was Freddy with Shaza, and then it was Freddy the attorney. Ah. Do you remember? And so yeah, she was still down for the cause, but it, it looked different. Man, she it, was fine though. Oh, absolutely. That's right. Marissa Tomei was on that show too, man. Mm-hmm. Whew. She was, was fine too. It was a it was a lot. That that show, um, that show was what. Encouraged a lot of individuals our age, black, to to go to college. Everyone was looking for their Hillman experience. No doubt. No like doubt. I think everyone's first degree was from Hillman. Well, I think too. Um, what kept me engaged with the show? They they had like guest celebrities on it too. You know, Tupac was on the show. He was with Jada. Yeah, with Jada. Yep. Um, the irony. Bruce Leroy from The Last Dragon. Mm-hmm. He was on the show. There was like the sexual assault episode, which was kind of ahead of its time, if you will. They, they, um, was it, what is his name? Tahimak? Tahimak. Yeah. That's his they, name. They did a lot of controversial stuff, and I think that set the stage for, um, Cosby's arrest. I went there kind of early. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, man. I love, I love the cops. I don't care what nobody says. I love the cops, man. I hope all the stuff that, He's in jail for is not true. Um, but keep in mind, you know, going back to previous episode, we know Heathcliff Huxtable. We do. We, we do, do not know William Cosby. That's true. And so I, I keep reminding people that all the times, like we we don't know, we don't know him. We know Heathcliff. Damn, Hillman College, though. Yeah, I used to think my college experience that was one of the reasons. I, I wanted to go to an HBCU because you wanted it to look like Hillman. Yeah, I did. Okay, I thought it was dope, man. Did it? Did it? Did it give you that? Um, I didn't attend an HBCU. I went to a PWI because I got to a point where all of the HBCUs that I had applied for were private and, and expensive and expensive as hell. Yeah, and so um, I just didn't want to put my family through it and take on that that debt load even though Sally Mae still mortgaged off my soul <laughs> right Sally Sally Mae a vicious she, she, Sally Mae vicious man <laughs> she vicious 
So I, I ended up going to a PWI because it was affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in state. Uh, I have on a USC Trojan shirt on today because John Singleton, rest in power, is a USC graduate. He is. You know, good brother so, of Cap Alpha Psi Fraternity. Hey, hey, man, you know we're gonna we gonna. I don't have a problem with the crimson <laughs> and cream, man. You know. Um, I I I wanted an HBCU experience. Okay. I was accepted into several HBCUs, yeah. but it was the money thing, right? Um, Morehouse was only giving a brother three thousand um, yeah. dollars. Yeah. Morehouse. That was the top of my list, Morehouse. Yeah. I wanted to go just because I'm like, man. I wanted to go to the house. Martin Luther King. I wanted to go to the Spike house. Spike Lee. Yeah. Um, Hampton was on my list. Mm-hmm. I got into Hampton. Hampton wasn't giving me that much money. That was too close to home for me, Hampton. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, up the Hampton. street for you. Yeah. Um, it was a nice little journey for me. And, of course, Howard. Howard um, Howard was giving me the most money out of all of the HBCUs I was accepted to. Um, but they weren't giving me as much as the in-state PWIs. Yeah. And thinking of cost analysis, it was, um, you know, it was what it was. I I do regret not going to undergrad at an HBCU to get that experience. Um, what do you think you were missing? Tradition. Okay. Right. At tr- tradition. I went to, um, you know, with the, with, you know, Ronald talks day too. With our fraternities, you know, we road tripped a lot. Yeah. Um, and so we got to go to different yards and you would just see, there was a few campuses that I would go to, um, and people had pride in their institution. The Greek, the Greek experience was off the hook, especially when we were road trip for my chapter, because regardless of what frat or sorority you were in, you were a member of that institution first. Right. Which I just thought was dope. I thought it was dope. Yeah. It, it. It was just tradition. I, I'll give an example. Um, one yard I went to, they were playing the school song across the um, the loudspeaker across campus, and everyone knew. Like, people stopped. They, Fair east side. <laughs> everyone knows that, right? <laughs> but not a lot of people that went to my, my institution, like, to this day still don't know the song. Bruh, I didn't know my uh, institution had a song. Until about it's a damn shame, Kevin. Last <laughs> December, right? Uh, a frat brother of mine finished his uh, his doctorate degree, and they had someone come out and sing the school song, and I was like, "Damn, they had a school song all this time." <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I just didn't know. I didn't know. And, I didn't know. Um, there was just pride, right? Uh, of course, you know. At a PWI, we had pockets of pride. We had pockets of... Um, we had a very small black po- uh, black faculty population. Okay. And even from that small population, there was a smaller portion of that population that was um, the professors that we saw on Hillman. Right? I had a I had an individual um, roll up on me in the student center to check me because I was late to his class. I'm like, bro, I was only three minutes late. But like, interrupted everything that was happening at that moment. He was like, right, but that's three minutes of learning that you missed out that you can't get back. I was fortunate enough um, to have those kinds of mentors um, in my college experience as well who happened to be fraternity brothers mm-hmm. um, and and didn't care who I was and, and would check me. I remember um, 
never forget Dr. Gerald uh, Weatherspoon, uh, professor of chemistry at George Mason University. Dope brother, man. I mean, tenured faculty now. Okay. Um, got on me in the main student center because I had a do rag on. Mm. You know, and I'm from Tidewater, Virginia, so yeah, I'm gonna have my do rag on. <laughs> at that time, my wave gang was impeccable. <laughs> my wave gang was impeccable, man. Um, well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't uh, go out in public with that do rag on your head, would you? Yeah, I would. I'm out now. And so we had a, a disagreement about the do rag. But the older that I got, I'm like, yeah, he was probably right. He was right. It was that it was that wisdom that was being instilled. I had a professor, um, Dr. Keelan Hinton. Shout out uh, to Dr. Hinton. Um, this Negro stood on the desk in the middle of his lecture. We were talking about um, love, intimacy, and attachment was one of the classes that we took. Um, and so he stood on top of a desk because he felt like a student was lying to him. It, it was a discussion, and his girlfriend was in the class. He said, so... What you mean to tell me is, and so he reiterated the question, gave him a chance to, to re-answer it. And so the girlfriend is like looking like you lying. Damn. He's like, all right, cool. Tried to, tried to get him off the hook. Listen, <laughs> he stood up on the desk, right? He, he was passionate about um, psychology. Part of the reason why um, I'm still in the field of psychology for individuals like that or definitely had uh, an individual by the name of Philip Carter who was professional social work professor of social work mm -hmm. and um he pushed the envelope he was he was responsible for integrating um the city that my institution was in and so knowing his history within that city and the university and knowing that he's still there teaching um educating but training for life you listen whenever he said something so he did um a hip-hop class and tied it into social work or he did a lot of, um, I remember there was a class that um, he covered the NAACP and just talked about the ins and outs of black excellence and how to, how to create that inspiration on a campus where everyone doesn't look like you, how to get support um, in places where you aren't welcome. And one of the things that he told me as a freshman, he always called me Jones, right? Yeah. He called me by my last name. He said, everyone ain't going to be happy that you're here. I didn't really know what that meant. But as I matriculated through the institution, I, I learned firsthand what he was trying to tell me. As a black man in the state of West Virginia, in an institution of higher learning, yeah, right? Um, I was a student leader. I, was, I excelled academically. <laughs> they didn't want you there. They didn't want me there. Yeah. Professors didn't want me coming to the office asking about the lecture or questioning them, getting more information, clarifying information, um, seeking to understand better what the lecture presented. They didn't want me to do that because that meant I was going to be prepared to pass their test. And so he taught I me. I see what you did there. Test. <laughs> he, Not exam. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I see, see what you did see there. see what I did there? I see what you did there. Um, he taught me that my freshman year, and I never will forget it. Um, and whenever I have the opportunity to talk to young brothers and sisters, I, I share that piece of wisdom that everyone's not going to be happy you're there. And that has spilled over into like my career and professional life. Yeah, Everyone's not going to be happy that I'm in my position doing the work and doing it with excellence. Likewise. Likewise. Don't you know, man, I was in one, I, I was talking to a friend of mine who was actually a, an instructor at, at George Mason. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and he taught the first hip-hop culture class. It was called Beats, Rhymes, and Rhythm. Nice. Yeah, and he taught the very first class, and almost 20 years later, um, the class is still being taught. Nice. Um, Andrew Ryan, um, deep brother man, uh, master's degree in systems engineering, heavy, but had a passion for hip-hop and Tupac. <laughs> And um, I was enrolled in the the first class, the first hip hop class at George Mason. And I think it's very important that we see that level of power in our experiences. And, and he was young at the time, man. He was like 25 when he taught that class. Not too much, you know, out of college himself. Right. But you know, he had advanced so far professionally, and he knew his stuff. He was he was cold, man. He was cold, and so we used to debate between uh, Jay-Z and, and Tupac, who was better, you know. Um, I was a, a diehard Outkast fan. Okay. And so uh, we broke down uh, Aquamini. We broke down uh, Stankonia. And that's that, that was I was like a senior at that point. Okay. But, man, it, it that's important because I think to have those brothers take me under their wing, I'm doing that to others. And I think that's really what we have to do is pass that forward and that, that kind of behavior forward to ensure that people see us, man. A lot of people don't see us. They're not going to like the, the fact that you're here. They're right. not going to like the fact that you know how the system works because you're going to disclose information. That is supposed to be a secret. Absolutely. You know, in the college admissions thing, and it's funny I'm wearing a USC sweatshirt because college admissions has been a big thing the last two months. Aunt Becky, uh, <laughs> cop the plea. <laughs> Yo, the feds, the feds came and got Aunt Becky from Full House, man. You, nobody's safe from the feds, man. If the feds can get Takashi Six Nine and Aunt Becky in the same year, yeah, you don't want to be uh, uh, on the other side of that table from the federal government. When I'm like, man, you all paid people to get your children into USC and other schools across the country and lied. Yeah. Lied, uh, took pictures of the children allegedly playing a sport. Dude. Would get um, doctor's notes to say that, um, you know, they had a testing um, issue or that, yeah, they can they can play this sport, but they're not medically cleared to play just yet. I'm going to get on my soapbox right quick, Go for RLJ. It. Um, college admissions um, is near and dear to my heart because that's where my professional experience comes from doing my day job. Okay. And it's a game, man. It's a, it's a big game um, as far as how colleges go about targeting people that can afford it, mm -hmm. how colleges go about targeting um, people that keeps pace with people that keep pace with the history of the institution, how colleges um, don't want a lot of diverse representation until they really need it. Mm. And I'll put it out there. You know, I've, I've, I've been in committee meetings and um, created recruitment plans for colleges and universities and the fight that goes on to try to um, obtain and uphold the, the mission of the institution and creating a diverse audience of students that, yeah, we want you, not necessarily because you can afford it, because most of the folks that I was rocking with couldn't. Right. 
but more importantly, that you're going to add value in a different perspective to an environment that's pretty sterile, pretty boring, man. You know, we talk, we're talking about college. If college was that easy, everybody would have a degree. Everybody doesn't. Right. And so um, the the college admission scandals um, this year, I was like, yep, mm-hmm, that's about right. Does it, it didn't surprise me. The fact that Aunt Becky and I, I, Felicity Huffman, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, so y'all have means. Y'all gonna y'all want to hook up. You're going to pay for your folks to get into school. It didn't surprise me at all. If anything, I was like, yes, people know that this is a game. I was thinking about um, the young sisters who are sitting in jail for sending their children to schools outside of their district mm-hmm. um, for years, sitting in jail or have, have prison time because their students went to a different district. Yeah. I was thinking about um, how those individuals who didn't have the necessary means to move into that district. Yeah. But saw that the educational system there was better. To get that opportunity. And I I was I was troubled because they're sitting in jail for trying to give their students a better opportunity. And it wasn't like the schools were overcrowded and that required individuals not to be admitted. Um, no one else was impacted by a mother trying to give their student or their children, rather, a better opportunity. And then you get the you get the Aunt Beckys who <laughs> have the means to get their children into prominent institutions. Um, but I was thinking about if it took all of that to get in, uh, I thought about the book, What Got You Here Won't Keep You Here. Yeah. And, okay, cool, they got in, but are they going to survive? Because if they were able to meet the standard qualifications and and pass the intense admission cycle, could they be products of that institution? And if so... it you didn't need to drop all those millions. You didn't need to pay the coach or the recruiter or whoever you. But pay. they pay. You know the funny thing is, you know this is, I'm, I'm I, I know about the business, and I think USC has like a seventeen percent admissions rate. Mm-hmm. So seventeen percent of all of their applicants will gain admission. So USC probably gets fifty thousand applications a year, and they're gonna take. You know they're gonna make seventeen percent roughly. To meet their class, mm-hmm. class probably their freshman class is probably four thousand, maybe four right. thousand, maybe five thousand. Um, private school, right? Good school, but if I'm in California and I'm gonna pay somebody to get my my kid in, I don't know if I would have picked USC, man. I got you know I'm I, I'm kind of bougie. Like USC, good school. Uh, uh, Andre Young School of Media Entertainment. I think that's Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre and uh, mm-hmm. Ivan gave Jimmy Ivan gave like seventy five million when they sold Beats to Apple. Yep. Yeah. So I, I, I more power to them. But have you ever been to uh, USC? It's in the hood, hood, man. Yeah. Like the campus is in the hood, hood. 
And I'm just like, man, you gonna pay two hundred fifty thousand? They get your kid in the USC. It's the name, right? It's the it's the power, it's the but, prestige. But this is the thing, man. This is the thing. This is kind of like uh, this is the ratchet part of me, right? If I'm if I'm gonna pay two hundred fifty thousand, I'm gonna pay to get them in the UCLA versus USC. That's fair. Or Berkeley versus USC. That's no, 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 no shots at USC. You know, great institution. But I'm like, damn, man, two hundred fifty thousand to go to USC. I let me pay two hundred fifty thousand. For Yale, Harvard, two hundred fifty thousand for Penn. What's the tuition? What's the what's the going tuition? Going tuition at SC? USC, yeah. Private tuition room board fees, man, for a year. It's probably sixty thousand, maybe. Sixty. So you paid more than what tuition and room and board was. Oh yeah, shit. Two hundred fifty thousand. They paid. They paid for um, a degree. Yeah. So you know, and the expectation was the kid got to do some work when they get there. Batman, let me know. Let my mama had paid any school $250,000 for me to go. I'm not doing a damn thing when I get on the yard. I say, hey, my, my degree is paid for. Yep. Don't let the smooth taste fool you, man. Like, I'm a realist, too. If my mama paying $250,000, I ain't doing a damn thing on that campus, RLJ. I'm chilling. I'm at all the parties. I'm going to eat good in the cab. Oh, absolutely. What Kev, Kev doing? He in the gym. Why he in the gym? He don't even work out. He, hey, just cause. Yeah, paid for it. <laughs> paid for it. It's this, paid for. This campus belongs to me. I'm telling you. I'm putting my name I'm on buildings. Chilling. I'm putting my name on buildings. The wild thing is, man, I'm not really mad at a parent for wanting to give their child a good opportunity. Right. I I think I'm just mad that there's one two percent of the population that can actually do that for their their child. Mm. And colleges has we've created this environment that it's not a fair system, it's not an equitable system, and I that's what I have an issue with. But am I mad at Aunt Becky for paying to get her kid in the school? Not really. I mean, any parent want the best for their kid. I don't think I would have paid two hundred fifty thousand though. Just not. Especially just, if nah. you know that your child is not going to do what the hell they are expected to do no absolutely not and and i think that that part was the one that threw me yeah i didn't know i didn't honestly man i didn't know sc carried that much weight i know sports sport but sports they haven't really been on the scene for sports the last few years i know reggie bush reggie bush was the man they would you know so i'm not sure but i you know it's a fine institution i just don't know if i would have paid two hundred fifty thousand. that's fair yeah but you know when you when you think about that power of being able to create this environment and pathway for your child and the power of influence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a real thing, man. And people that have it, they keep it. People that have the power and the influence, they keep it. They don't share it. And I, why do you think that is? Why do you think um, people, once they get it, they don't like to... Survival of the fittest, survival of the fittest, and um, you know we're in a capitalistic society that is me, 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 mm-hmm. and I want to get as much as I can before I can't get it anymore, and you know, 
at the end of the day, I'll be able to say, well, I pulled myself up from, with my bootstraps. And, with my own uh, With these. <laughs> I created I created this with these. No help from nobody else. Right. Just me and these. And I just think that it's a culture that we've defined. Um, my biggest issue is I've been trying to comprehend power and who has it. I told you um, a few weeks ago I was reading The 48 Laws of Power. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it had some concepts but it just seemed it seemed grimy, man. The things that you needed to do for power, I I, I don't know. I didn't identify or agree with the author. Okay, that's fair. You know, um, but I do believe that there are cer- certain people that exude power, and John Singleton to me was one of those individuals. Agreed. He was one of those individuals um, when he directed Boys in the Hood, first feature film. He was 24 years old, man. I'm thinking, like, the shit I was doing at 24. I wasn't. I wasn't directing no movie. I wasn't making power statements through Not, film or something. No. And something that la- has lasted 25 years and influenced a culture and a generation. Now it's lasted beyond his existence. Yeah. Thinking of um, the several. That's power, man. There were several examples of power that he revealed to individuals who were not attuned with what goes on in the hood. Yeah. Um, What do you think? No, first of all, how old were you when that movie came out? Uh, The movie came out in 91, so I was like 11, like 11. And um, I remember... I didn't see it in the movie theater. I, I watched it um, at home. Um, remember Blockbuster Video? Yeah. Okay, so before Blockbuster. Or vid- what was it, Video Den? Nope, before that, there was a, a video rental store called Arrows. Arrows Video. That must have been a local one. It could have been, okay. but you know, if, if you're from 757. Um, and you're a, be- you're a Generation X, Baby Boomer, you probably remember Arrows. Did they have Laffy Taffy for sale in there? They had all kinds of stuff, okay. man. Yeah, yeah to keep you in there. My, my mom ain't never let me buy nothing, though. Cause, you know, <laughs> look, we paying $3, $5 for this movie. Don't ask me for shit else. Nothing else. It's okay. But I remember um, my grandfather had a VCR. Mm-hmm. My mother did not. And so the video store would let you rent a VCR, like a small VCR. Almost looks like a um, like a cassette recorder. Okay. But it was we played VHS tapes. And so we rented the VCR, we rented Boys in the Hood, and that's how I saw Boys in the Hood okay. for the first time. What was what stood out? So being 11, uh, 91, how old was I? I was about five, bro. Five years old, man. I was five. Damn. Um, but being 11, being a young black boy mm-hmm. in the 757, Yeah. what stood out to you within that movie? Well, it was a number, a number of things, right? Um, Ice Cube, of course, because I knew who he was. Okay. And I'm like, damn, they put Ice Cube in a movie, and he still got the Jerry Curl. This '91, man, he still had the Jerry Curl. The man. juice, the juice was loose. Yeah, man, it was, yeah. he was. You talking about the, the, the drip? That's what the young folks say. I'm dripping. I got drip nah, for man. Free. We had brothers who was dripping for real. <laughs> we had brothers who was dripping for real. I mean, and Cube had a strong Jerry curl for years. Yeah, he just got rid of. Yeah, man. So uh, 
I, I'm like, damn, Ice Cube's in a movie? Like, you can be a rapper and be in a movie? You know, because this was this was like before Tupac really showed out. So to have a, a, a rapper portray a, uh, a thespian or become a thespian, like Cube was one of the pioneers for that. And so I was like, damn, okay, so that's one. Um, another thing that I uh, remember was Regina uh, King. Mm. Regina King played Doughboy's friend. She was like the only girl in the set. Mm-hmm. And I remember Regina King from 227. Right. And so, But this was like grown Regina King. She was grown, grown. She was grown. Yeah. Um, and I was like, wow. Okay. And then the, the third thing that I really um, was fond of in the movie was the relationship that uh, Trey played by Cuba Gooden Jr. had with his dad, his father. Because um, Lawrence Fish- Fishburne played his father. Mm-hmm. And if you were, if you remember Pee Wee's Playhouse. Mm-hmm. Lawrence Fishburne, he had a Jerry Curl. He had a, he had a strong Jerry Curl too. Strong one. And he played the cowboy in, in Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yep. And I was like, man, he... He's not the same guy anymore. <laughs> it's different. But then, not, and then it didn't dawn on me until later in my life that La- that Lawrence Fishburne was Larry Fishburne and Cornbread and Earl. Mm. So I'm like, man, th- you know, just to see the maturation of someone who's been in the public eye. But the relationship that Trey had with Furious, his name was, the, the dad's name was Furious Styles. Cold name, but he was a cold brother too. No nonsense about his business. And he was the first father character that I saw in TV or um, television Mm -hmm. that was down to earth and it seemed realistic to me, if you will. Okay. Professional guy, went to work. He was, I think he was a mortgage lender um, in the movie. And... He was cool, man. He was cool, and he loved his son, but it was that tough love. And I had never seen that version of a father figure before. On the screen. Yeah, on the screen. So that's different than the Cosby show, because it's like, man, he, you know, he killed Hustable. He was a doctor and had a bad wife. All these kids lived in the brownstone. Right. But In New York. But Lawrence Fishburne, or Furious, and Trey, they lived in a house that looked like mine. Little, you know, three-bedroom, little rancher in the middle of the hood. You need to go out and rake leaves. My grandfather made me rake leaves. Um, Never yelled, but gave me the game as far as, like, what you need to do to survive and be successful. And that resonated a lot with me. And the fact that John Singleton put that in film... It was phenomenal, man, because I, 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 I'd never seen I mean, the only other father that I can remember seeing on TV was, like, James Evans from Good Times. He was always yelling, though. He was always yelling. He was always yelling, but he cared for his family did. and did the best that he could. He did. But, and, and you saw that. Um, and I think that goes into um, you become what you see. And so if the only thing you know is that a father is supposed to be tough, supposed to yell, mm-hmm. um, sound angry, or maybe slam some doors. Yeah. You start to repeat what you've seen. And 
for him, love was providing for the family. Love was providing for the family, going to work, making sure there was food on the table, the yeah. lights was on. That was love. And so all of that mushy stuff that um, there was one episode where he was like, I'm, I'm not. I'm not down with all that stuff. Get, get up, shake it off. You be all right. Yeah. Right. And so going back to the conversations of toxic masculinity that we talked about a couple weeks ago, you you start to embody the things that you are exposed to on a consistent basis. And so within that movie, I think it was I think it was interesting. So I, I don't remember the first time I saw it or what I thought about. It. I do remember that one of my college professors had us watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had some real life discussion about it, um, in addition to higher learning and just the representation, like you said, I could, I could identify, right. I could see characters in the movie that I could see walking down my street. And it was, you know, even, even the friend, the friendship between Doughboy and Trey and Ricky, and all of the all of the brothers that was in the set, mm-hmm. grew up in the same neighborhood. You know, yeah, were you a gang? Probably, but honestly, y'all were just childhood friends right. that grew up on the same block, and that resonated with me because that's how me and my friends were growing up in our neighborhood. You know, yeah, we would get in fist fights like Doughboy and Ricky. We would, um, you know, play the dozens and and throw the football in the street. So all of the things that um, I saw in that movie, we were doing in my my own neighborhood. But then, you know, the violence in it and a lot of the beefs, I saw that too in my neighborhood. Right. And this wasn't South Central L.A. This was Chesapeake, Virginia. I think that was that was one of the beautiful parts of um, Brother Singleton's work was that I'm not creating this storyline for Hollywood. I'm showing you what really happens. Yeah. I'm showing you authentic characters with authentic storylines. And most of that stuff was probably stuff that he experienced when he grew up. He was telling his story. Absolutely. But his story was my story. Yeah. You know, when you think about uh, Doughboy Got Killed, if if you haven't seen the movie by now, then yeah, this is gonna. I'm gonna spoil it for you, but the movie been out 30 years. You probably should have so been seen. It. There's no spoiling. Yeah, there's no spoiling. Um, so Doughboy was a thug. Trey was going to school. He eventually went to college at the end of the movie. Ricky right. got killed, but Ricky played sports, and that resonated with me because it was myself, uh, my cousin Mike, who you met, who was from California, and then another cousin of mine. We grew up together, and I went to college. Um, my other cousin um, went to the federal penitentiary and then Mike went to the army. It, I, I think it symbolized for us that um, there's not a, a uniformity in terms of the characters that we as black men or black women can play. Yeah. Um, but most importantly, there's no point to over um, dramatize what is real life. Yeah. What we're experiencing on a day to day basis. And so, by him telling that story, by him showing 
the world. What goes on in the hood? My favorite line was like either they don't um was it they don't care, they don't, they don't know, know they, or don't they don't show. Yeah. What goes on they in the hood. They don't give a damn about what's going on in the hood. And and to this day that's real because um Unless you have gentrifiers coming, no one cares about what's going on across the And they the ad- they address gentrification in the movie. In the early 90s. They address gentrification in the movie. Um, there's a scene in the movie where Trey and Ricky, they go see Furious. Mm-hmm. And he has a, a storefront um, in a, a, at a busy intersection. They just got finished taking the SAT to try to get to college. And Furious asks him, well, you know, how did you do on the test? Uh, we did all right, just okay. Well, he said, well, you know, the only universal thing um, is the math. The rest of it is culturally biased. Dropping those gems <laughs> in 1991. Right. And so, you know, they, they're kids. They just came to check in on them. And he said, well, let me go. Let me show you something. And so they drive to a rough area of Compton, and there's this billboard. And on the billboard, the billboard says, uh, from soul to soul for cash. And but it was soul like soul Korea, soul like it's soul food or your soul to cash, basically talking about how the Koreans were offering cash for the homes in that black neighborhood, and Furious kind of broke down gentrification and how home values drop. People come in and buy them uh, for a lower price and then make a profit on it. Mm-hmm. And this was 91, man. And think about Richmond, Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Maryland. Right. That's going on now. You know, D.C. in particular used to be Chocolate City. And it's more like uh, Oreo City now. Sprinkles. Sprinkles with some sprinkles on top. I mean, you still have have the chocolate um, essence within certain... Neighborhoods within the district, dude. But they don't want they, they don't want the, the T-Mobile store to play go go. Like, give me a break. Twenty five years, bro. Give me a break. That I, that's where I went to go get my my go go music. I can't crank I can't crank it up, man. Give me a break, man. So twenty five years. Yeah. And we're coming in, and I'm going to complain because this is this is loud. Oh, you know, we talked about it a few uh, a few shows ago. You know, folks want to walk their dog on the yard. Gentrification and. Shout out to the students at Howard University who um, are exercising their right. I was on the yard a couple days ago. Had lunch with a colleague that works there, and there were signs posted up. Like, don't don't bring your dog on the yard. There, there were signs posted up. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That was like dear dear gentrifiers. Like colonizers. Like oh, that's heavy. <laughs> this is a place of. This is a historically black. Uh, yeah. campus for black students to get black learning um do not allow your dog to shit here like there were signs a couple um weeks ago um, my homeboy was telling me he was like oh yeah we on we on dog patrol i was like what what do you mean he was like oh no alum that lives in the area we patrolling campus we we taking shifts to make sure oh that's cool right and so they were banding together like all right cool until until an official policy comes, we're going to make it un- uh, uncomfortable for you to bring your dog here. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was in a meeting. I was like, well, I mean, you know, leave some chocolate around. They won't bring their dogs back anymore. 
Yeah, we, know, we know about you giving chocolate to the dogs, man. Gang Recognized Gang Podcast with RLJ and Kev. We don't condone animal cruelty. We don't. You know, but don't bring our dogs on Howard's yard. You've, so, been, you've been warned. You've been warned. So when you when you when when you address gentrification in a movie like Boys in the Hood, mm-hmm. it was more than a hood film. Um, I know when John Singleton passed, uh, I posted on my Facebook page RIP um, that it was the first hood film that I ever saw, and but it impacted me for life. Yeah, and which it was, but I, I think Boys in the Hood was more than a, a hood film. I think it was a, a love story. I think it was a, a film about choices. I think it was a film about um, friendship. I think it was a film about um, the family unit and how that looks different depending on um, where you are and where you're from. What side of the tracks you What side on? of the yep. tracks that you're on. Uh, I, I think it was a film that, like you mentioned, people can learn from it today. They're teaching it and on college campuses. And so... I just appreciate the fact that, man, this brother, John Singleton, was 24 years old. The youngest to ever be nominated for Best Director at the Academy Awards. That's big. The first African-American to be nominated for Best Director at the Academy Awards. That's big. And then all of the people that came from that Boys in the Hood tree. Cuba Gooden Jr., Academy Award winner. Regina King, Academy Award winner. Lawrence Fishburne, Tony Award winner, Academy Award nominated. Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett. That's all you, you, yeah. you got to say her name. That's Angela it. Bassett. Morris Chestnut. Nia Long. It was... Ice Cube. It was... Uh, <laughs> and at the time, I don't... Speaking from my perspective, I don't think he knew the level of power that would be ascribed to boys in the hood. I don't think he knew the work or the magic that he was creating through the lens of a camera. Yeah. Um, And it was a story about life. It was everyday life in the hood. Yeah. And so, like you said, it was, there was a love story. There was um, a story about family ties, about brotherhood and bonding, yeah. about um, respect, yeah. about growing Grief. and learning. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. How do you go on through this thing called life um, experiencing traumatic loss? It, it tied in everything that we experience in the black community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I... I you know, in two minutes on a VHS tape. You think about... I mean, two hours, my fault. The the context of the movie was, you know, heavy crime in South Central L.A. Mm-hmm. But people get shot everywhere. Yeah. I knew people as a, as, a, as a kid, as a teenager who got shot and got killed because they were involved in, in uh, activities that were not beneficial for their health or the neighborhood. Right. You know, it wasn't just a South Central L.A. story. And, and I think because it was transferable, I think yeah. that's why it's outlasting his existence. Yeah. Because there's still stuff that um, it was captured and held sacred within that the, the story 
that was told within his lens. And from that alone, that, that speaks to the level of power. Power within the family. Yeah. Power within the community. Power within different territories. Um, power within individual life. Like recognizing that you all have the power to decide on your actions and behaviors and how your actions and behaviors um, impact and affect everything that happens next. The, the power to decide was, was a theme that was um, heavily illustrated within that film. And a lot of moments within the film showed black masculinity mm-hmm. and a power position regardless if you agreed with it or not. Right. There was one moment in the film where they're on Crenshaw Boulevard and Ice Cube, they're chilling in their 6'4", and some some uh, bloods roll up, start talking trash, whatever. And Doughboy gets out of the car, raises up his shirt. It's a 9mm. Anybody got a problem here? That's what he said. And then people left. Power. But then you have power where Furious is... Uh, talking to Trey about responsibility and uh, being practicing safe sex mm-hmm. and the impact of decisions. And he, he has a Freudian slip in that conversation um, because he had Trey at a young age. Not that it was a mistake that he had Trey at a young age, but that it impeded on his ability to move forward right. when you're 17, 18 years old with a child. It was it was powerful. There were powerful women in it, uh, in the movie. Angela Bassett was a professional. Um, Nia Long was ext- extremely smart and talented. Young girl. Gorgeous. Trying to uh, get out of the hood and go to Spelman. Even... Um, Ricky and Doughboy's mother, raising two boys, single mother, um, loving their sons, even though she had a lot of conflict with Doughboy, but she threw him a party when he got out of jail. Like, the movie opens up with Doughboy coming home from jail, and the mom is throwing a party for him. You you got every facet of life within that movie, within within the confines of a two-hour VHS. You, it was it was given just a glimpse, yeah, right of what we within the hood really experience within the black community. This is this is this is it. This is us, kind of like the TV show. Like this, this is what it is. This is this is daily um, trials and tribulations. This is how we grieve together. This is we celebrate um, together. We mourn together. We encourage each other together. Like this is what we do. The sad part that I um, that I think about is there was a strong village mentality within that film. Um, fast forwarding to today, the village is pretty much non-existent. Because, mm-hmm. um, like you said, everyone is out, you know, focusing on self and what they need to do so they can become better. And you had some of that in the film, but ultimately the overall theme was. We in this together. Yeah. Um, and a, a, a quote from another movie that's, you know, we all we got. Um, and so that that alone, at the in the year of 1991, 
the power that was illustrated. And I don't think he was aware of the magnitude of the, the gift that God gave him. The vision. Yeah, because it was beyond the the years of what someone would consider 24, but not knowing that at the age of 24, hell, at the age of 16, some of these individuals from certain lifestyles are experiencing more than our counterparts have experienced in their whole entire existence. And we still have those normal functioning expectations to deal with it and face another day. What is it? What does it say in the Bible? Uh, God will give young men vision and old men dreams. dreams yep. And he certainly had a, a, a strong vision um, within that film, and the power that he passed on to others, even after the film. Samuel L. Jackson played Shaft. Mm-hmm. That was a John Singleton film. Uh, Baby Boy, the first time we see Taraji P. Henson, Academy Award winning Taraji P. Henson. Um, him giving Tyrese a platform, right. Snoop Dogg a platform. And it just seemed to me that in all of his films, there was a message, but also he empowered others. And that is something that really um, is sad about his passing. Because we we were able to see the maturation of him, hmm. you know, twenty four to fifty one, and man, you, you you pass away at fifty one years old, man. Blood pressure issues, stroke. It made me sad too, but it also was an eye opener because man, we gotta start taking care of ourselves. We do. Um, it was said. Um, it was stated that oh, we're gonna try that again. <laughs> It was stated that uh, personal wellness is not a priority within the black community. Um, even going to mental health, yeah, people don't talk about it. Um, hypertension is taking brothers out left and right. And we're expected to live, what is it, uh, four score and... Yeah, yeah. Uh, Three, three scores. scores and ten. Three, three scores, scores and ten. ten. So for those of you that don't know what a score is, a score is twenty years. So when Abraham Lincoln, um, in his speech, four scores and seven years ago, yep, eighty-seven years. So you know that's that's a tidbit. But yeah, you know, three scores and ten, and um, we might get three scores if we're lucky. Barely. Yeah, if we're lucky. It's barely and. And with his case, it wasn't a money thing. It wasn't access. It wasn't access. Um, it could have been a lot of things. It could have been stress. Probably. Um, it, it just... And it, it it maturizes. And they say hypertension's a silent killer. Yeah. Right? You don't get a warning sign that your blood pressure is high. Until you check it. Right? And so I check mine daily. And if any number gets out of whack, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm I'm calculating. Did my like? Did I have a, a stressful day? Did something happen within the last couple hours that would cause me to be elevated? And if it's not where it needs to be, you know, when I take it again, like I'm making a phone call. On future on future editions, uh, we're gonna have some health experts come in 
and talk about how we as black men can um, be proactive and live in a healthy lifestyle and what we can do. Mm-hmm. Because I've been there, man. I've been on the weight loss kick before and and lost weight and then not feeling how I thought I would when I have lost weight. And then also not being in the best of shape. And then now, you know, approaching my 40s, whew, trying. Yeah, I didn't need, I didn't need all of that, sorry, just, That part, I didn't need all sorry. of that. I didn't need all of that. I mean, I'm approaching my 40s, too. Whatever, man. <laughs> Uh, trying to feel how, you know, trying to figure out what is it that I need to do to be here because I know that my existence and my life, though I can't control all facets of what could happen externally, I do know that I need to be here for my son. Damn. Forever, but at least give me 20 years, man, so I could see him get through college and maybe have some grandbabies or something. Or to continue passing down the stuff that was passed on to you. Absolutely. And so um, I've been real intentional about how I utilize my energy in the past couple months. Um, We were having a conversation where recognizing that you're not in the space to deal with certain things. Right. And if anyone's energy or vibe is off, it doesn't match mine. um, I don't interact with you. And it's not even about trying to live your best life. It's more so I, I don't have patience. Yeah. For a lot of bullshit, man. I just don't. I don't. I don't. I, it's funny. Um, I love my mother. Shout out to uh, Shell. Love my mom, man. And she called me <laughs> last week, and she was complaining about a neighbor. And a neighbor, you know, talked to a, a maintenance person she had over at the house doing something. And I mean, she was on. She was on ten, man. On a hundred thousand and ten. Jeez. Cussing and everything. And I said, well, I said, are you done yet? Well, no, I needed to get it off my chest. I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm not in the mood to take on that energy right now. <laughs> and, and but that's how I've been feeling as of late as well. Like, and I'm you just, have to communicate that. I, I have limited time, and I'm really trying to prioritize my time from the moment that I'm up at 5 a.m. every morning. To the time that I go to bed, and because I'm up at five, I'm in. Yo, I got I have to be sleep by ten. Yeah, at the latest. Cause you're old. Yeah, that that <laughs> part, that part. But also, I, I have to get sleep because I need to prepare for what's coming ahead the next day. Right. Um, what I'm struggling with now is really how I need to incorporate um, physical fitness and physical health into um, my daily routine. Because I spend so much time in the vehicle, because I spend so much time taking on the stress and the energy of other people. Um, my father died at 52, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of it was stress, some of it was mental, some of it was decisions that he made. But it's like, damn, man, I want to be here longer than that, bro. We we deserve, We have to be here longer than that because if we're not, then who's going to lead if not us, then who? Yeah, who's going to lead the people coming behind us? And uh, my son is too important to me not to be serious about that and take take control and be proactive. Yeah. And um, I was reading reading a meme the other day where it was like, yo, we have to stop telling um, young black professionals to just deal with the stress at their job because there's an imaginary rainbow at the end of the storm. Shit. Pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, right? I wish it was. And and I read that and I was like, ah, 
I was thinking about different situations that I've been in, and people's like, oh, you know, this is this is only temporary. You got it. Just endure for a little bit. And it was like, I don't have to. I don't have to. That's why I left um, the organization. Yeah. Earlier this year, like I, I was realizing I was putting up with shit that I didn't have to. Like, unnecessary stuff, stuff that wasn't going along with the mission of the organization, right? I don't, I don't stuff that wasn't going along with your own personal mission, brother Jay. Yeah, I, I, I get it. We have to make a living. We need income. We have to provide for ourselves and our families. I understand it. I also believe that that power we're talking about mm. that John Singleton exemplified. Mm-hmm. That power was developed and ignited. Through his passion, right. he went after what he wanted to do. He had a plan. He was e- he was educated in 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 the film discipline. He went to school for it. He applied it. It was his craft. It and was he, his craft. And he mastered it. And, you know, and I think there's a disconnect right now amongst people that oh well, yeah, I see the outcome, but not understanding what the preparation the preparation that's required to reach that desired outcome. And so you know. You you have a lot of people that you know they want to be mu- musicians, and you think you if you can uh, master Fruity Loops and uh, different <laughs> do, tracks. Do people and still use that? Auto tunes. I I don't. I, I would assume maybe. Okay. I'm not sure. I, I, I ain't hip, man. That's like fair. you said, I'm almost forty, bro. I'm almost that's, forty. That's fair. Um, not understanding the preparation. So yeah, you don't have to go to college for everything. Right. You don't have to go to school for everything, but you need to prepare. You need to hone your craft. You yeah, you have to you 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 have to you have to go through an apprenticeship phase in every field and every master discipline. whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah. In order to be successful, and I think that's what where the real power lied with John Singleton. Um, but the health piece, I want us to have that same passion when it comes to taking care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. That same passion and that same vigor and ambition. Because if we don't, man, people ain't having babies no more. Right. That's true. That's true. That's power. That, that's power, man. I, I, I'm, I'm just sad. I'm sad that he had children that won't, he won't be able to share moments with his grandchildren. I'm mm-hmm. sad for his mother. His mother was his manager, his business manager. I'm sad for all of the actors that he impacted. And I was reading um, a lot of the Instagram posts by many that John Singleton was like, he put he put people on. Yep. And similar to our show, he put people on the game. Yeah. He put people on the game and he did it through his deeds and his actions. And I, I, I just, I, I love that, man. And I just... But he's just—he's not the only brother that's leaving this earth at an early age, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking to um, my my cousin the other day, and his father died at forty-two. Stress. My father died at fifty-two. Stress and not being able to cope with life, and so I, I think we need to have ambition to be better from a professional standpoint. Right. But we also have to be committed. To live, like you know that that little Duval song, "Living Our Best Life." Living our best life means in all aspects, all not aspects. just partying. All aspects. All aspects, man. We right. got to live. We got to be dedicated and disciplined to living our best life by any means necessary. Personal wellness. Personal wellness, and I just I, it makes me sad because that brother went into the doctor for leg pains, 
and end up having a stroke in the hospital yep. and die, man. And that's a that's not the first time that I've heard that uh, for a, a black man in America, right? You know, and and yeah, uh, do we suffer from police brutality at a higher rate, mm-hmm. incarceration at a higher rate? Yes, it's racial fatigue. It's racial fatigue, but also we we uh we killing ourselves by neglecting ourselves too. Yeah, you know it's just not it's not, it ain't the police. Well, I mean, think about it. How often do you have conversations with other black men about um, grief and coping? Yeah, or the need to see a mental health professional, not because you're quote unquote crazy as society would say, but that. You need help processing some of the shit you're dealing with. And we so dope, man. We owe it to ourselves. Right. We so dope. And, right, there's nothing wrong with going to your pastor for those who consider their pastor as their source. Nah. Right? Um, but my therapist said, you can have Jesus and the therapist at the same time. God created the therapist, brother. <laughs> Absolutely. God created the doctor. Go to the doctor. Yeah. If you got a job and they pay for benefits, use them. Yeah. I need to force my, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I need to take my own advice as well. I haven't, I usually get a routine annual physical, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, like you say, you, you pushing 40, man. It's a few things. I'm just, you know, I got to keep it up. Yeah. Few, few, few areas. <laughs> I need some assistance <laughs> to talk to the doctor just to see what Re- I. Reinforcement. Reinforcements to see what I need to do to do what I want to do. Those daily one days. It's okay. Right. You know, and um, to be to be able to discuss that and talk about it and um, help each other come up with a game plan, man. I just wish that um, I don't know why John Singleton isn't here right now. You know, the only God knows. But I, I wish that other people in his of his stature and his situation, other black men of his stature and situation. I just hope they're making that a priority as well, because we we can't lose, you know, Nipsey and John Singleton in a month's time. Yeah. Damn, man. Mm. It's either that or I ain't going to L.A. no time soon. <laughs> I ain't going to L.A. no time soon. No. Tupac said to live and die in L.A. Damn that, man. Biggie died in L.A. too. Yeah. I don't know, bro. You, you know, if you got if you popping, I'm I might want to stay the hell out of L.A. No, now what I will say is I enjoyed L.A. every time I go. Oh, I love I love L.A. But I do get back on the plane. Great place to visit. <laughs> Great place to visit. Going going back back to Cali, Cali. Cali. Yeah, yeah, California I'm a dreaming. Great great place to visit, yeah. man. But yo, if I if I if I'm popping, you're just gonna avoid that area. I might I might I ain't popping yet, so I could go to L.A. and be alright. But <laughs> if I get to a status where I'm popping, I'm gonna stay the hell out of L.A., man. Or or you're just going to be sure that uh, personal wellness is a priority. Personal wellness is a priority before I go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So if you skipped out on that gym trip, maybe you shouldn't go to L.A. Shh, I, I, I probably don't need to go to L.A. right now. <laughs> I, yeah, I need to stay the hell away from L.A. Far, far away as I can, man. Far, far away as I can. But I, I, I don't know, man. That, that, the, the, the Boys in the Hood movie meant a lot to me mm-hmm. as, a, as a child and as a young man. And then just watching it with your friends. And you know how we do, man. We recite and quote movies Absolutely. that we enjoy. Like, we come from different parts of, of the area. But there are things that we identify yep. with that are very similar. And sacred. And sacred. Yeah. And Boys in the Hood was one of those films. And that brother, John Singleton, um, 
man, shout, shout out to Kappa Alpha Psi for uh, his connection with a black Greek fraternity mm-hmm. at USC. You know, I don't hate on no other Greeks, man. And I look at John Singleton as one of ours collectively. Absolutely. You know, one of ours collectively. And I, I just appreciate what he brought to the culture, what he meant to the culture, and what he did for others um, to really put them on the game. And essentially, you know, that's what we're trying to do um, with the Game Recognized Game podcast. Click subscribe on YouTube. Um, follow us, social media. G-R-G-R-L-J-K-E-V Check out the website um, TheGRGShow.com There it is Dot com Um, Yeah It's tough It's tough man It's tough because um, I I don't know man Like I said before I'm selfish All of the people that I like Is rolling out of here man On the express train too I'm pissed And then that makes me question Like damn yo My next and I don't try to speak no nothing, but it, it 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 has me thinking like, damn, bro, I need to what 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 is it that I'm not doing that I need to do? Right. Because shit, tomorrow's not promise. No man knows the day nor the hour. Hell no, it's a da- at the end of the day, it's gonna be a dash. Yeah. I want my dash to be long as hell, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that you put into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want my dash to be long, man. And I think that's something that, um, we as black men need to to focus on, right? A lot of us are trying to get the the newest model of a of a car, or we're trying to show off the amount of wealth that we are acquiring. Yeah. But I think it's how are you lengthening the dash between the date you were born and the date that you will expire on this earthly realm? I, and I think that. We need to start having those conversations and forcing each other to be better. Because, like you said earlier, you know, with that energy, if if your energy's off, it's off. And I, I, I today may be my day. And if I don't want to waste it on um, someone that has negative energy or something that's going to bring my vibe down, anything that's not going to help me to grow, like I, I, it, it, there's people that I don't have communication with anymore. And it's not that I love them any differently. I just have to love them from a distance. Yeah. Right. And. I, I there was a meme. I keep bringing up memes, but there was a meme that said, "Yo, I want to see you eat, just not at my table." Um, just just knowing that time is filled with swift transition, bro. And it's, pre- it's precious. It really is. It's precious. Um, you know, from from my my best friend, my brother in the whole world. You know, wife passing away, thirty eight, man, mm-hmm. thirty eight years old, and. To see a series of deaths of people leaving this place be before I feel that it's their time. Right. I don't know, man. I just want to live my life to the best of my ability and live it with passion and vigor and hopefully pass on a legacy. And, and you know, if, if John Singleton could do that in 30 years, yeah. give or take, it's possible. It's possible. I, I, I do think that... He his legacy will certainly live on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just like, damn man. I just wish he could be here to enjoy it. That's crazy because I don't think like you know me and me you and with JP we talked about this a few shows ago. You know, putting flowers on people while they are living. Yep. And though I think people did with John Singleton, it's just sad, man. It's yeah. just sad. So I mean, one thing that I I always remember. Um, 
and I, I try to have that be a focus for everything that I do on a daily basis. I have this quote in on my portfolios. I have it on um, the wall by my desk. Um, it says, "May the work that I've done speak for me." Mm-hmm. So, like when it's when it's my time to go. May the work that I've done. <laughs> Speak for me. Yeah, man. I know what you're talking about. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Okay, right. And so just just being real intentional that um, when it is my time to um, transition, that I left this place better than it was when I entered. Um, that everything that I do is an, in, is an investment into someone else. Um, and so when, when nothing else remains but my legacy that it still speaks for the work that I've done and if it's anything that I'm doing that will tarnish the legacy legacy that I'm trying to leave then I need to recalculate recalibrate and do something different yeah I I feel that I just want people to know where I stand right I want people to know where I stand and if my legacy can give people the opportunity to let others know where I stood and how I helped them, then you know that's that's like my life path, life's passion. And you know the wild thing we talked about James Evans and John Amos. Um, John Amos, man, you know, he was he, John Amos is a hell of a actor. Absolutely. You know. It, Absolutely. I might be dating myself again. That's fair. I'm going to let you do it. Um, but John Amos played Kunta Kinte in Roots. He was the adult version of Kunta Kinte. Yeah. Yep. And how old were you when Roots came out? I wasn't even born when Roots okay. came out. But my grand, my, grand, my grandfather made me watch it, man. Yeah. It was, like a, straight up. It was a long movie. Yeah. He made, but he, you know, when it came on TV and, um, you know, it was a multiple night miniseries or whatever, he made me watch it. Um, what was the other? He made me watch uh, Roots and Shaka Zulu. Mm-hmm. About, yeah, about the Zulu, the, the Zulu nation. The Zulu nation. He, that's, like he made me watch those movies when I was nine, ten, mm-hmm. eight, nine, ten. Um, and he made me watch uh, Louis Farrakhan. He also made me watch Jesse Jackson. I remember um, him taking me to a local a local business in Chesapeake, Virginia, when Jesse Jackson was running for president in '84, mm. and he was going on that he was out stumping and uh he, my grandfather had me in his arms and jesse jackson picked me up like four years old. he picked me up held me in his arms and they gave me back to my grandfather so like those that kind of legacy like my grandfather didn't uh speak to the masses but my hope is a lot of the lessons that he gave me and the pride that he instilled in me and the responsibility more mm-hmm. importantly you know, I can pass that on to others. But we talked about John Amos and, and the character of James Evans. Bruh, James Evans died in in good times. I think he got in an automobile accident. That's how they took him off the show. I think so. Yeah, he got in an automobile accident. Because he was working. He was away from home working yeah. on, an, um, on an assignment with his job. Yeah. But he got, he got killed. She got in that a, phone call. He got killed. In, damn, damn. Damn, damn. <laughs> he got killed in an automobile accident. But honestly, for real, for real, the real life... The real life version of a James Evans out there, he probably had a heart attack, right? Was stroked out because he was stressed. Yeah, James, uh, look, he was always stressed on. The yeah, show. man, like for real. Like if this was, if 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 that episode took place in 2019, James Evans would have had a heart attack. 
yep. and not get hit by an automobile. So, uh, message. <laughs> We got to start taking care of ourselves, man. We got to be better. Yeah, I, I remember um, my grandfather passed away from a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, multiple. Um, it's like a series. And just just being able to know that there, there's more access to information. Um, but information without application is a hallucination. Yeah. And so being able to just apply what we what we read apply what is spoken to us but also learning from the things that we're seeing in front of our faces brothers is passing by the score and so that alone is um, as spike lee put in my favorite movie of his school days wake up it, it's it's later than you think that's power it's later than you think that's power and with that this has been another edition of the Game Recognized Game podcast with RLJ and Kev. Um, great conversation about the life and legacy of one John Singleton, who died far too um, soon in his life. And hopefully, we can take the messages that he left and the legacy that he left in film and through others. And apply it into our own daily lives, but also um, looking at his life in the physical. As black men in America, we have to start taking care of ourselves, yep. and we have to start now. Now it's time. We are the gentlemen advancing the melanin evolution, where evolution is revolution. I'm Kev. That's R L J. Until next time, be liked. Be liked.